are Locked On Pelicans, your daily New Orleans Pelicans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available wherever you get your podcast from. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, here with you all on this Friday, final podcast of the week. We're probably going to go a little bit shorter today, just not as much going on. And I think we're all just a little drained and exhausted from things the past couple of days with the protest and games being canceled yesterday and uh, Wednesday as well, plus the hurricane. Let's just get this week over with, move on to the next one. But we do have some things we need to talk about, and I want to get into a couple of topics with you. First and foremost, Nate McMillan fired by the Pacers. Bit of a surprise. Is he a candidate for New Orleans? Why or why not? Then it looks like we are going to get a return to play, and we'll let you guys know what some of the next steps are with that. We'll just kind of go from there with the rest of the show. So let's dive into it all in today's edition of Locked On Pelicans. Don't forget, subscribe to Locked On Pelicans wherever you get your podcast from. Here Monday through Friday for you all, the only podcast doing that, breaking down the biggest topics around the league and the Pelicans. And as we've been talking about, whether it's the league or the Pelicans, there's a whole lot going on. So subscribe wherever you get your podcast from. So let's lead off with some news that's kind of surprising, but at times unsurprising too. And that is the Indiana Pacers firing head coach Nate McMillan two weeks after they gave him an extension, no less, after getting swept at the hands of the Miami Heat in the bubble in the playoffs. This is surprising because they were in the playoffs. They were a decent enough team. They were the four seed. That's pretty good, all things considered, when you didn't have Victor Oladipo for a chunk of time. Uh, Demata Sabonis wasn't there for a chunk of time with injuries as well. And frankly, that doesn't seem like an organization that's very committed to winning. They're not. They've kind of said as much. Paul George has said as much about his tenure there and why he wanted out. So McMillan having some success there and making the playoffs all four years that he was there and getting bounced out is kind of surprising with everything. His career in Indiana, he has a record of 319 wins, 183 losses. Sorry, no, 183 wins, 136 losses. It's a winning percentage of 57.4%, 318, 19 games coach. He was also previously a head coach with the Portland Trailblazers and the Seattle Supersonics. His career winning percentage is 53%. I figure this guy is a is a good coach, to be perfectly honest with you. Seeing the success he had there, even with some of the issues that he dealt with and created himself, and I don't think he coached particularly well during this playoff series with the Miami Heat, it's still surprising. I don't know if they're going to get necessarily like a whole lot better, and that isn't a title-contending team whatsoever. And when you don't have a front office ownership that really wants to go all in on being a winner, like what more can you expect than getting bounced out of the first round, right? And I think that's kind of the way I view that setup there. And for a guy who had kind of a a changing roster, injuries to key players a lot of the time, to bring as much success as he did out of that team, I think is impressive. They were good defensively during his tenure there, and that's kind of his hallmark, defense. They were the sixth best defense this year. 
Offensively is where he had some problems. They take a lot of mid-range shots. They're one of the lowest shooting in terms of volume. They're actually the worst when it comes to uh, volume of three-point attempts, taking just 28 per game. The Pelicans would probably like 28 and a half if they could. And they're not an amazing three-point shooting team under him. So when you look at a lot of his offensive concepts, a lot of it is very antiquated. But he does get you a lot out of your guys. This is a guy that if the Pelicans were to look at him, and there's ties with the current coaching staff and Jamel McMillan, who's his son, who's on the team here and who's well-regarded, that this is a guy who will certainly elevate your floor. I don't think his ceiling is as high as many other guys, but his, the floor and what you're going to get is absolutely there. He will get a lot of effort out of those guys, which we didn't see from the Pelicans this season. And I think that is something that's worth looking at. Bringing him in... Just and ignore the offensive side of things for a moment is a concern because he's likely not the coach that you're going to win a title with. I think that's just kind of uh, the reality of the situation. So do you want to bring him in knowing that in three years or so you're going to have to fire him and then now you've got Zion Williamson on his third coach in his young tenure here in the NBA? It's not really what you're looking to accomplish or do, but it's something that's worth keeping in mind. Other thing would be looking to potentially bring him in as an assistant if that's the case. This is a guy who could be a strong assistant coach for you, and I think that's where I'd love to see him on the Pelicans bench potentially because he does get a lot out of his guys. The buy-in is there. The defensive principles are there, but the offense is not, and that worries me about putting him in charge unless he can learn from that, and I, I don't think that if you hire him immediately after being fired that he would learn. And have changed. You usually need to kind of go through some things, right? Go go coach elsewhere, learn some new concepts, see and pre, uh, approach things from a different perspective. Because as I talked about, uh, it's I don't know if it was last week or this week. It seems like you know years ago, every other day, that you've got to lean into the offensive principles and the way to build a successful team right now. You're seeing it in the playoffs when these have been getting played, and the bubble too. Offense is up. Part of that's probably due to the bubble, but it's also just the way basketball has been going for a while now. You need to lean into a shit ton of three point attempts pace, other things like that. That's how you're going to win in the NBA. Defense is like a secondary thing to put up points on the board because that's how you win. I don't know if McMillan being the head coach is going to bring that kind of style here. There's a reason the Pacers immediately have rumors out there linking them to Mike D'Antoni from the Houston Rockets. So yeah, probably not going to happen as a head coach. I don't even know if he'll really get looked at by the team, but it's an interesting name. I don't know if it's a good move that the Pacers did this. Depends on who they end up hiring, but he's a guy who gives you a lot when you don't have a team that's really competitive or nearly as good. And again, to take that Pacers team in the fourth seed, I think is pretty incredible. So he's a good coach. I just don't know if he's the right coach, the right fit for the New Orleans Pelicans for the uh, for the future. All right, coming up here on Locked On Pelicans, we've got an update on the NBA returning to play. Yes, the playoffs are going to continue. What happens next? I'll have that for you after a day of meetings for kind of everybody involved with the latest updates, so stay tuned. Before we do that, though, today's show is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. They taste like a candy bar. They look like a candy bar. These are what I eat for lunch every single day after I work out. They are awesome. I spend my own money on these things. 
That's as good of an endorsement as I can give you right there. And I do it because they taste delicious and they're introducing new flavors and a new formula. I'm a big fan of the peanut butter brownie, the toffee almond, the caramel brownie cookies and cream. I could list the flavors on and on and on. Again, they taste like a candy bar and the flavors uh, really do justice to the name with everything. They are covered in 100% real chocolate. They are soft. They're easy to chew. You don't need to grab a bottle of water and chug them down. And they're great for you if you're trying to be a little bit more health conscious, whether you're trying to lose or maintain weight while just eating something that's not absolutely miserable. They're low in calorie, low in sugar, high in protein, high in fiber, and great for the keto diet. You can get some that are 19 grams of protein and just 180 calories or 17 grams of protein and only 130 calories. So if you've ever bought Built Bars before, they've refreshed the promo code for their relaunch and the new formula. So go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code Locked on, you're going to get $10 off your next order. That's promo code locked on for $10 off over at builtbar.com. Plus, they're going to throw in a free cooler with purchase while supplies last. So, again, promo code locked on over at builtbar.com. Don't forget to subscribe to Locked On Pelicans wherever you get your podcast from here Monday through Friday for y'all, breaking down everything you want to know about the team. No one else doing so. So, hit that subscribe button wherever you get your podcast from. So after two days of no playoff games due to players boycotting, striking, whatever words you want to use to try and advance the social justice causes that they care about, we're getting some playoffs back. We don't know if it's going to be tonight. We don't know if it's going to be tomorrow, at least by the time I'm recording this. But it sounds like all the teams, and it came out after Wednesday night that once all of those games were postponed, all of the players in the bubble had a meeting together. LeBron spoke very passionately about what he feels needs to happen with this. And then both the Lakers and the Clippers kind of said they don't want to play. There wasn't like a, a formal vote or anything taking, but at the moment, that time, it seemed like they didn't want to continue with the playoffs and wanted to go back and spend more time on these social justice matters and uh, everything that matters to them because they are fed up and rightfully so with a lot of what's going on. So they slept on it, woke up in the morning, had a meeting, and it sounds like they've kind of changed their mind a little bit about this. And the board of governors with the NBA also had a meeting. That's all the owners essentially, um, or their surrogates in this case. And it sounds like some things are going to be coming. The Players then met with uh, two players per team of the teams left there in the bubble, had a meeting with the board of governors to kind of explain what they want and come up with an actionable plan. And you're starting to see why these players took the stance that they did starting on Wednesday night. There's more movement on these social justice matters than there were before. In just 24 hours, essentially, they have created more change than they did by just putting Black Lives Matter out on the court or wearing the slogans on the back of their jerseys. Those are nice and useful, but I've said even to me, someone who's hyper aware of all of this stuff, it does seem like it's just kind of blended into the background and my focus has been on the games, not the social justice matters, even when I'm on Zoom calls and they talk about this. It's just not something I'm going to tweet out at that point in time because I'm more focused on what they're saying when it comes to stuff about the game, which is a problem on my part and something I need to be better about. And it's not just me. That applies to a lot of people. So taking these steps to bump this back up into the news cycle has worked for what they're trying to accomplish. And it's going to keep going. There's going to be more politics, if you want to call this a political thing, even though I don't see it that way and the players don't see it that way. This is going to be more infused into all of this, I think. And if you don't like it, it's 
you're not going to like the NBA for a little while. I don't know what else to really tell you, but I think it's going to apply to all sports. If you, as you saw baseball take days off um, and not play games, same for the MLS, same for hockey as well. And it's basically looking like this is going to be a big thing. And these players have started to really realize the power that they have and the leverage that they have. Things may get contentious, as I had said. I'm sure a lot of the owners aren't going to like a lot of this stuff. And what it likely means is there's going to be a lockout. I think you can almost assuredly say that they will lock the players out at the end of all of this when they can both walk away from the CBA, basically, and then force a renegotiation of a new one. Given that we probably weren't going to see basketball until 2021 anyway, I don't think it necessarily delays a season. But if they don't come to an agreement right away and these players seem to really want to dig their heels in for this fight, it's probably going to be at least contentious. And we'll get to that. We'll cross that bridge, I guess, when we come to it. But it does seem like the NBA is going to be returning to play. That's kind of the big news of the day. The playoffs will resume. These games will get made up. In the meantime, you've seen some guys leave the bubble. Damian Lillard has left the bubble due to the injury to the knee that he had to go get treatment. They were going to get bounced out anyway. Same for Aaron Gordon of the Orlando Magic. They were about to get bounced out by the Milwaukee Bucks anyway. I don't think any of those things really matter, but it's. I wonder if maybe some guys try and leave to go focus on things while if they really feel that strongly about it, a guy like Fred Van Vliet of the Toronto Raptors or George Hill of the Milwaukee Bucks seem to really feel strongly in this. There is a good medium for the NBA to kind of use, though, to try and maybe smooth things over. Let's, let's talk about that in the next segment. We'll, we'll put that in there. And it has to do with Michael Jordan. Don't forget, subscribe to Locked On Pelicans wherever you get your podcast from here Monday through Friday for you all. We've got a lot to come, especially in the next week and two as we build up to the draft. Now that we know where the Pelicans are going to be, we're going to start looking at some mock drafts. I've participated in a mock draft with the Locked On Network, too. We'll give you the results of that. So we're going to get into some heavy draft talk next week. Talk about the prospects that you want to hear about. So subscribe wherever you get your podcast from. All right, wrapping up today's show. So to keep things going smooth, and I said th there's a lot of potential for things to get contentious, and I think at times they will be. There, it helps that you have a guy who's the only black majority owner of a team in Michael Jordan, a guy who commands respect of all players around the league and also is going to command respect of those owners too. That is a guy that they will listen to. He may not have as much money as some of the owners around the league, and he's probably on like the poor, poorer side. He's probably on the low end when it comes to net worth of a lot of the individuals that are owners of NBA teams, but still, he's going to command a lot of respect of just being who he is, and people will listen to him, and I think that's a good thing to have him kind of be that medium between the players and the governors, the owners within the league, and I think that can really help smooth some of this process out. He's not necessarily like the, the one person you could think of in the world that you would want to do this. He st largely stayed apolitical during his time in the NBA. He wanted to make money. He said the quote is Republicans buy shoes too, right? So it'll be interesting to see how players kind of respond to that with some of that stuff being in the spotlight a little bit with the last dance, which I'm sure all of them watched. 
But how you could do worse than having a guy who can relate to both sides of this almost be a mediator, and I think that's a really important thing in a case like this. Dwayne Wade has been reportedly really involved with the players too, advising them. That's someone who's also well-respected around the league and probably has a little bit of sway with owners as well. That's a good thing. Uh, and basically, the players, though, seem like they're willing to dig their heels in on this and just go, yeah, no, we're not going to play anymore. It, you know, it'll. It, there's a good chance next season gets delayed because of this, not because of the pandemic or anything else. And the NBA is, you know, at the forefront of all that stuff, getting the league back and playing to make money because of how much revenue is it just a standstill right now? Zero. It's not really coming in or wasn't until you restarted. And even then, you're spending so much money restarting the league here and spending all of this money in Orlando just to put it on that I don't think they're necessarily making like that much on like a per day basis of everything. So this is going to be the biggest story around the NBA the rest of the way. It's also going to be probably the biggest story once things get started during the offseason and next season as well. And look, I don't know what to tell you if you want the sports to be an escape. They're, they're not. We'll talk about other things here too on the, on the show. And I don't, uh, you don't come to me for political punditry. So I don't want to give that to you, frankly. And I'm not the most educated and best person to do it. There's other podcasts where you can get that that are frankly better than me. But this is not something that we can avoid. It's part of the sport. It's going to be part of sports going forward. That's like forever, forever changed. So if you're looking for something that doesn't involve social justice, politics, whatever phrase you want to use with it, you probably look elsewhere. I, I don't mean that in a condescending way. Like you should, it's, it's not going away. And because we're a show that covers the team that covers the league. And when these are the biggest stories, we are going to talk about them just like you wouldn't expect me not to talk about Alvin Gentry being fired. Right. We, we've got to cover this stuff because it impacts everything that we're going to be watching and involved with here in the league. So there's going to be more to come on this, but I promise you next week's going to focus a lot on the draft, draft prospects, kind of looking at them through an early stage lens with a lot of things. I'll tell you who I drafted for the Pelicans in our locked on NBA lottery mock draft. I It looked like it was going to go well for me. I was really excited about who was going to be available for the Pelicans to pick in that spot. And then right at the like beginning of the end of the lottery, things kind of dried up kind of quickly. I'm happy with who I ended up drafting. We'll tell you on Monday. It's a small forward. I'll, I'll give you that sort of hint. And yeah, we'll kind of go from there next week. So thank you all for listening. Hopefully, if you're in Louisiana, you're all safe from everything that's been going on. So enjoy your weekend. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. And I'll be back with you all on Monday.